now, from beyond our dimension, this is the Jeff Mara Podcast. Here's Jeff. My guest is Marissa Nina Goldberg. During Marissa's near-death experience, she encountered three entities, and today we're going to learn about it. Marissa, thank you so much for joining us, and welcome. Thank you so much. It's my pleasure. I think it's best that we start on the day that your NDE happened and go from there. Okay, so I was uh, ill with a bacteria, and the bacteria had gone into my blood, and I knew I was dying. Um, it was just a knowing. I was very, very sick. I had been sick for about two or three weeks, and I was already in intensive care, and it was heart intensive care. I think that's what you call it. And um, I suddenly was out of my body. I was lying there knowing I was dying. I was out of my body. And I was looking from the ceiling downwards at this body. And for a slip, a, a second, I, I realized that this body was very, very sick. And then I knew it was me. It took like a sense. It happens at the same time, you know, so fast. Everything is so fast. And I had seen my parents there as well. My mother was sitting on a chair and my father was walking up and down looking at the monitor. And I said, okay then it's time to leave, you know, this is okay, because I had been in so much pain, my body was in so much pain while I was sick, it was a pleasure to be out, I was like, it's fantastic. Within moments, I don't even know, I can't talk about time there, because everything happens very, very fast, or maybe even at the same time, so it's hard for me to tell you when something happened, but what did happen was, I was out, out of the room, and in a place that was of kind of darkness. Um, and I was just there. Uh, nothing was happening. I was just trying to be aware of my surroundings. And I realized it was very, very dark. And it was okay. You know, I was, I was feeling fantastic because I had no pain. And then three entities came up to me. One was on my left, one was on my right, and one was behind me. And they were corresponding in like a... Um, audio you know like it was like a surround system and i was getting information i was understanding them through the surround system from side to side i don't even don't even know how to say it but you know things and they asked me if i'd like to come with them or if i'd like to go back and going with them was obviously the easiest thing to do and the best thing to do going back i was curious to know why and i was curious to know if, if I do decide to go back, if I was going to be healthy, because I was definitely not going to go back into that body as it was. And so there was this whole discussion that started, if I do decide to go back, you know, will I be okay? Will my body be okay? Now, there's something I'd like to tell you about these entities. They were very, very wise and very supportive, but they were also very, very, very clever. And they were going, I realized later on that they were taking me to where they wanted me to be, but it would have to be my decision. They didn't want to make the decision for me. So then being very, very clever and me be just being me, it was like, they were like, not tricking me, but they were taking me through me asking questions. They were taking me to a place where I would eventually decide to go back. But I wasn't, I wasn't an easy target because I didn't want to go back. Um, my life wasn't that fantastic. I had a bad relationship and, um, you know, I had, I was adopted and I had a lot of things going on in my life that weren't, weren't, weren't easy for me. And I think I'd 
would have given up and gone with them until they said to me, well, you know, you've got some um, knowledge that we need you to go back and give. And I had no idea what they're talking about. I don't even know if today I know what, exactly what they're talking about, but this is what they said to me. And the moment they did say that, I was back in my body because I had agreed. And if they wouldn't have told me that I have the knowledge, I don't think I would have come back. Now, what we decided is that they were going to show me that the next day, they were going to show me that the, the sun was going to rise. This was winter in Israel. It was raining. And they told me that if the sun rises and it's sunny, then I must know that everything's going to be okay. And uh, as soon as I got back to my body, I was back in the pain. But I knew I had to just release. I just had to go to sleep and just wait for the next morning to make sure that everything was going to be okay. And uh, the next morning I woke up, I did fall asleep. My parents were still in the room, by the way. I did fall asleep. And um, the next morning the doctor walked in. My parents weren't there by then. And he was shocked because they had they knew I was going to die. And that's why my parents were in the room. They were waiting for me to go. So... Me being there was like, he said, you know, you're a miracle. This, I don't know, how are you feeling? I said, well, if you open up the window, I'll tell you. You know, if I open up the curtain, I'll tell you how I'm feeling. And he opened up the curtain, the sun just came in. And I said, okay, now you guys can do whatever you want. I know everything's going to be okay. And he said, how did you know? And as soon as I started talking a little bit, they shut me off. You know, they didn't want to hear anything about a experience that I had that was, you know, that was beyond what they could understand. I did start getting, uh, um, well, before I started getting um, healthy very, very quickly, they did give me a kind of, they opened up to go into my heart because the actual bacteria was on my heart. And they did open me up and try to do something there. And this is also something that until today, I don't know what it is, but I can tell you about it. While I was having that operation, um, I was once again out of my body. I was in the similar environment of darkness, a very calming darkness, and I was like floating. But the amazing thing that I had was four geometric um, shapes that each one was different, and they were with me. And it, was, it felt as if they were looking after me. I've, I have never heard of anybody else going through this. I don't know if anybody else has gone through it. I don't know what that experience was, but I know that while I was floating, it was amazing. It was an amazing feeling and I felt secure and I felt like I was being looked after. After the operation, um, I got quick, I got, I got better very, very, very quickly. But in the hospital, they, they transferred me to a different hospital. And in that hospital, I started talking about my experience. And straight away, I was taken to a psychiatrist. And I was told by the psychiatrist, you know, maybe, you know, he, they, I, they, we had a conversation. I don't even remember what the conversation was about. But what I do remember is that I had to shut up. And I, must, I was, was not allowed to talk about what I had experienced at all because somebody's going to lock me up. And it was very, very, you know, it was scary. So... Very quickly, what happened was I started looking for information by myself. And now, you know, we don't have internet. There wasn't any internet at that time. This is 1985, 1986, 1986. 
And um, I went to sh- I went to these bookshops that had alternative books, and I started buying whatever I could get my hands on and reading. And it could have been about pyramids, and we could have, you know, because then they have the whole thing about death and reviving, and you know, I was going into anything I could find. Um, I, something that happened to me is that I started getting visions of a lot of destruction, like. I knew that the world was going to have floods. I knew that the world was going to have famine. I knew that the world was going to was going to go through this period of um, everything that's happening actually today. I was seeing that then, and I was looking for it on the news, and I couldn't find much. I mean, I did find like um, things in Africa a little bit, but I couldn't find all everything that I was actually seeing, and it was it was hard. And eventually, me talking about it a lot with my friends, they said to me, Marissa, you've got to go and get help. You can't carry on this way. I mean, you're looking for this destructive things. Nothing's happening. The world's okay. I said, no, it's not. You know, you've got to start learning how to do vegetables. We have to start, we have to start getting organized for what's going to come because there's going to be hard times. And um, I went to this, eventually, I went to a homeopath. And she gave me medication and it was a bit less, but I knew stuff, you know, things were coming through. I knew things were what, where things were going to go, but I also couldn't really stay in my body for long. I kept on every time I went to sleep, I would pop out. And I'm not saying it wasn't amazing, but I was, <laughs> it was like, you know, when I went to try and get help for that, she said to me, Marissa, I can't help you because every time I try to put st- like stones on you or healing stuff, you're not in your body. You're not there. You have to try and stay. And slowly, slowly, I started staying more and more in my body and, you know, not, not just popping out every time. Um, much later, so this, was, this is what was happening. I went to Kabbalah. I don't know if you know the Kabbalah, Kabbalah. You, mean you know, the, the Jewish, the, the Jewish uh, mysticism. Right. So I was looking for answers through them and I did find some. It's uh, a lot of what we know about the afterlife is actually written in the Kabbalah. So I was getting answers. I was getting answers about the angels that I had or the entities that I had on the right hand side of me, the left hand side of me, in the back of me it is written in uh, the Kabbalah and it's in the, it's written in the Jewish religion. And they know about it. So I had, I was getting answers through the Kabbalah, but this was like at least three or four years after what had happened to me. Only then did I start getting these answers. And the more I started meditating, uh, now I call it meditation. I never learned meditation. So all I used to do is just lie down on my bed and I used to go into a different kind of, um, maybe it's meditation. I'm not sure. I've never gone to a lesson how to meditate. But later on, I started seeing auras. So I was going through all these processes. And then I would see auras for a while, and then something else would come in. And then I'll go through that for a while, and then something else would come in. And this is how my life has been for a long, long time. One night, my kids were very, very small. I, had like, I think my oldest one must have been about maybe 10 or 8 years old, somewhere around there. I saw every time I like lay down to do my meditation, what I call meditation, I saw these five entities in my room. And this was constant every single night. So one day I went to one of my friends and I said, you know, she does healing. 
I said, you know, what must I do with this? She said, just ask them who they are. You know, they're obviously waiting for you to do, to do something and ask something. And I did. And this is when it start, when I started uh, getting a lot of information from Raphael. Because when I did ask, he said, my name is Raphael. And I, at the beginning, I said, oh, so you're the artist, because I do art. I said, are you the artist from the, you know, the 18th, from the 16th century? He said, no, I'm Raphael, which in Hebrew is the healer God. Raphael, Raphael, Raphael is the healer God. And then I said, oh, oh, so you're the healer God. And that's when I started getting a lot of information uh, through Raphael. I went through years of healing with him. One of the main things that helped me the most was that he took me back to my, my childhood. And uh, we started healing every single thing from when I was like two years old. When I was three years old or three and a half years old, I had run away from home through not having probably a very good time with my dad. He was a bit strict and um, I had run away from home. And if they found me, they brought me back. But apparently I had much more trauma than that. And having Raphael next to me, helping me go through every single thing that was harsh was a blessing because it healed everything. Later on, uh, he taught me more things. He showed me what dimensions were. He showed me what happens when you how you see dimensions and how you can go from one dimension to another and how the grid works. And I was getting all this information from him. And then he showed me the white room that later on I heard people used to go to a white room. They talk about the white room. So he showed me the white room. I didn't understand much about it, but what I did understand is that it's like um, a junction place. It's a place before you go somewhere else. I was shown um, how um, when somebody's ill in hospital, so they took me above and they showed me all the entities that are waiting, all the guides that are waiting for the sick person. So if you're sick and you're in the hospital, you're going to have your guides with, your guides with you. And if you make a decision, and I'm talking about not just a mental decision, I'm talking about an inner decision, a knowingness that you want to be healthy, you will be healed. And then they showed me how they heal and how they bring down the white light and how they do it in like a circle. And then they showed me, they asked me if I want to participate and if I want to be part of the thing, something like that and feel it. It's one of the most amazing things that you can feel ever. I had healings like um, Raphael showed me that I've got uh, like, a, like a dark area around this part of my body. And I, at that time, I, I felt that I was going into that dark part inside myself. And once I was inside myself, a whole lot of light started coming around me and was expanding. So it was actually my light. But it's not only my light because you're part of everything. And it just expanded and expanded and expanded. It was endless. It carried on for, for so long. And then it contracted back to me. And it healed every single part that was dark there. When my mom was sick, uh, my mom died from a, from a heart disease. But when she was sick, I was doing a lot of healing with Raphael. I was helping. And we were, you know, trying to help her heal. I went through a whole lot of studies how dark 
dark things attached to us when we are sick and they make us sicker. We can get sicker from that. And we have to get, we have to try, when we want to get better, we have to try and get rid of those darker things. They like it. They like, I, I was visualizing part of them as like little balls that get attached to you. Um, I don't know exactly what they are. So we went through a whole, a whole lot of that. And then later on, after Raphael, um, well, it wasn't exactly when Raphael started parting from me, but I started learning that most of the things that I have to do is get rid of or accept, it's more accepting, are the darker parts of us, which means the lower, the lower energies of us, which means, for instance, uh, jealousy, uh, uh, being scared of something, fear, you know, all those lower energies that we all have, we've all got these lower energies. And I was starting to heal that by accepting everything that I created because we do create these lower energies. We create our fear. We create the energy. And accepting those back to me and knowing that that is a part of me, they won't be activated again. Uh, so slowly, slowly, for many, many years, I was getting rid or not getting rid of, but learning how to not use those parts, not be in fear, not be, um, you know, jealous, maybe jealous or, you, you know, all those parts. And if I can recommend something to somebody, that's what we should all be doing, getting rid, accepting all the energies that we have created without our life, within, a, within this life and probably previous lives that we've had, accepting all these, we can call them aspects, all these aspects back to ourselves and heal them. Accept them, say, we know you exist, even though uh, it's hard, you know, because what happens is normally is that just say we're jealous of something and somebody comes and we're feeling this jealousy, we're going to react in a certain way, probably not a nice way. And if you accept that jealousy, that part that you've got in, in yourself, you're not going to play it out anymore. Hmm. And what normally happens is love. And if you take, because the opposite of fear, for instance, for me, the opposite of fear, because fear happens because of everything that's low energy. It doesn't matter what it is. It always comes out eventually from fear. And the opposite of that is love. So if you put in light and you put in love, that's going to go away. It's not that you're going to get rid of it because it is part of you, but it's not going to be um, acted out. And this is what I often talk to, uh, to us. I taught photography for many, many years. And I use photography as a tool to help people see different aspects, see different things and uh, heal themselves slowly, slowly. So that's about it. Well, you've had an amazing experience and an amazing journey. And I first want to say thank you for sharing that with us. Uh, it's a pleasure. Yes, it was amazing. It hasn't finished. You know, I'm still here and I'm still experiencing. That's true. Not I'm not done. That's yep. true. Can you give us some more examples of how the Kabbalah fit in with your experience? Yes. Um, well, I think the first thing that um, really helped me was that I found uh, in the Kabbalah, I found that there's a situation where you have, when you do die, 
you can have those angels, one on your right, one in your left, and one behind you. And I think that once I got that information, I started learning more about the Kabbalah. And it talk, talks about the light. And it talks about so many things that my belief system was there already. You know, I had, I had all this, by the way, you know what believe is? In Hebrew, it's believe, which means in the heart. Hmm. So also Hebrew and English, lots of the Hebrew. I'm thankful that I became Jewish. I'm thankful that I know Hebrew because you understand things through Hebrew so easily. With, uh, and in English, you just don't have it. Uh, for instance, believe. There's this great guy, I don't remember his name at the moment, but he was a Jewish and he showed how he was talking about Babel, you know, Babel when they, um, the and so he shows how much Hebrew, yes, and he shows how much Hebrew is actually in uh, English. And I can give you just an example just for the fun of it. Uh, for instance, if you say um, positive, so in Hebrew, it's positive, which means here is good. But in, in English, it's just positive. So you've got all these amazing examples. So I was very, very thankful that, first of all, I did know Hebrew. And uh, the Kabbalah is not an easy place to go. And normally, you shouldn't go there until you're much, much older because it's so advanced. And it's so spiritual. And it's so, um, if you don't know much, you can get lost. And whatever you learn, you got to you ask questions. And it's and it's endless. It's an endless sea of knowledge. Hmm. Uh, um, so that's what it helped me on da on daily basic things. Hmm. You know, just how to appreciate and so much, so much. You know, it's a, I don't even know where to begin. And it's a long process. And until today, I do often open up books that have uh, scriptures in and I do read them and they always make sense to what's going on in life. You know, what you get, what's happening in, in my personal life. Are you still Jewish? Well, when you, once you, the Jewish religion says, once you're Jewish, you're Jewish. All right, well, you can't get rid of it. So am I practicing Judaism yeah. as a religion? No, no, I don't think I ever really did that. I just did it because I believe that, you know, this is a way to be with your family. So if you have Passover, it's a great, it's a great thing. And if you do go to the Kabbalah part of it, it's amazing. Mm -hmm. You know, if you talk about what is Kabbalah in Passover, oh my gosh, that's like, it's, it's, it's got to do with something very personal. Mm -hmm. So every time I would take the holiday and go and listen to a lecture about it in the Kabbalah, and that made more sense to me. Hmm. But uh, do I go to the synagogue? No, I don't. Do I light candles? Occasionally, I do. But just because I feel that that's what I have to do right now, not because I'm religious. Yeah, I think there's a difference between religion and spiritual, just, you know, being spiritual or learning the Kabbalah. Are you there's saying, a bit of a difference. Are you saying lighting candles because of Hanukkah or just in general lighting candles? Well, you have Hanukkah candles, and I would do that because it, it's also a sense of something that's within you. You know, that what, 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 is, what is Hanukkah? For instance, what is Hanukkah? It's like a miracle. You know, the original part was a miracle that happened. So 
you know, if you take that and you just use that as a symbol to what you need for yourself, it's amazing how these things work on different levels, different energies. One thing that intrigued me was you were talking about if a sick person was in the hospital, if the person wanted to get well, the person would get help. So that makes me think, are there people in the hospital that don't want to get well? It's not them wanting, it's their soul finishing off what they had to finish and wants to carry on. So it won't actually be, it has to be on a soul level. You have to want to get well on a soul level. And if it's accepted that you can stay here, then you will. Hmm. I think we have a few options of getting out of life. And I think everybody does. So if you're young and you get sick and you want to stay, there is a possibility that you can stay. But it's not you wanting to. You know, it's not like the mind. It's way deeper than that. It's like your I mean, this self. body, yes, the body is just a body. You know, when I was out of my body and I was looking at that body for, a, for the beginning, I, d- I didn't realize that it was me because I was me. That body was, it's like, it's like, I t- it's like I tell my kids, I say, when, you know, when they ask me about this, I say, it's like, it's like you go and you buy a car. Okay. So you've got this model and there's many, many models, you know, and you can go and get a certain model, but it's the driver who actually makes the car move. That's just the model. The driver is going to be sitting in there and doing all the actions. So it's like the soul is sitting in this body and doing all the actions, but the model's not going to change. For instance, I have allergies, but that's my model. It's not my soul has allergies. It's the model has allergies, you know? So it's the same thing. That's how I see it. That's how I, so if your body, it's, your body is a presence. It's, it's, it's like a gift. It's one of the most amazing gifts that a soul can get. And I think there's like a contract between a body and a soul. There's a certain contract. You have to be, you know, you have to look after it. <laughs> you know, you're coming in, you, the soul's coming in. And we've got to take responsibility because this thing is going to die. It's very vulnerable. It can die any second. I mean, it, you get into a car and you, you bash yourself into a wall, you're going to die. Not you, but your, but that body, that part that you are using, that house, that, that car that you're using. So, Yes. I think that uh, it's it's on a soul level that you decide that you want to live, and it's a it's not only on a soul level. It also has to be part of your contract in life because I think we we have contracts with people, we have contracts with situations. You know, we've come here to learn. I think this is a classroom for most of us. I mean, I know there are souls that come down just to have some fun here as a holiday, but most of us are coming here for an experience and for learning. And getting, you know, more expand, expand, expanded. How do you say it? Expanded? Yeah, that's what I think. You mentioned that you were told that the white room or the white space was a junction place. Where are you told? Yes, that's what I understood. That's what I understood. I'm not sure if I was told that. It was like an understanding of that white area. And it's so bright. But everything's white. And it's like... It's not, it's a junction. You, from there you go onward to other places. I know that there's also, um, I w- 
I, well, I don't know if from there they took me to wormholes, but I also experienced wormholes of getting from place to place. So I also experienced that kind of thing. But I, I don't, I'm not, I don't exactly know what that white room is for. My understanding was that from there you can carry on to another place. Were you told what the purpose of the dark space that you went to is for? That's everything. I think that was everything. I'm not sure. Uh, because when I came there, there's so much tranquility. And I don't even know what that is. But for some reason, my when I, it's like quite a space for me. Also, when I experienced that endless light, it was started off in a dark place. So maybe it's, maybe, maybe, maybe certain souls prefer to go into that area and not go straight to the white light. Maybe. Maybe, maybe it's a place that's calming at first. And, you know, after being maybe. in darkness, I don't have an, I don't have an answer for that. I don't. I just know that every time I experience something, it's normally there, and then something happens from there onwards. Did you ever happen to see what Raphael or any of the entities looked like? You don't actually, you do see them, but you don't actually see them. And I'm going to tell you another experience that is totally different, just so, uh, it's, because it's, it's very, very different. So in Israel, during the Gulf War, this is 1990, 1991, uh, I was in Israel then. And uh, Tel Aviv was being bombed, and I lived in Tel Aviv at that time, and we wanted just one day of relax. So we went to a kibbutz up in the north, and they gave us a room there. And it was one of this this lady that we knew, it was her son's room. And I stayed there with another friend of mine, and I also had a dog with me. And we, I stayed there for a few nights, and one of the nights I I woke up being not choked, but held down with energy and I couldn't open my eyes. It was very scary. And I felt two entities there in the room, but not the same kind of entities that I felt when I was in, in an in a out-of-body experience, not at all. This was something very, very physical. And um, they were checking me out and I couldn't move. I could, I could hardly breathe. I was, it was a bit of, I was in a bit of a panic you know, because I felt that they, I didn't know what they were doing to me, but I felt they were checking me. And this is like four or five years after my art, my, my, the experience that I had, my near-death experience that I had. And then they released me. And as they released me, I saw them going out of the room. And both of them were very tall and they were wearing like black clothes, dark black clothes. So... I want to say that Raphael didn't look like that, but he, I could see not dark, but he, you could see like a figure, but not, it's not see-through, but it's not, you, I, don't even, I don't even know how to explain it. I couldn't see a face. I couldn't see features, but you know things. You know what I mean? It's like knowing that Raphael's there, knowing that Gabrielle's there. I've had a little bit of encounter with Gabrielle as well, not much though, and uh, Uriel. Um, so, but I'm not sure, you know, I can't see the difference between them. To me, they are, they're very, they look, they look the same, mm. but they like, 
what I see is something like as if they got darker clothes on. It's not white light or something like that. It's a bit of an image. I thought it was interesting the way a you pronounced Raphael. Is it like three words, Raphael? No, Raphael. Helagod, Raphael. Raphael. A fa and a pa in Hebrew is the same. So it could be Raphael or Raphael. So it's maybe Raphael? Raphael, yeah, it's, it's a healer God. That's what it means in Hebrew. What does all of them, all of the angels mean something? Gabriel comes from Gvura, which means courageousness. They all have their name, and it's a Hebrew name, all of them. What does El mean? God. God, okay, so Raphael, God of, you said healing. Of, of healing, yeah, the healing God. Right, right, okay, that makes sense. Raphael, Michael. Gabriel, Uriel. That's interesting. They all mean something. It's interesting yeah. how in English we put it all into one word, but it's really two yeah. words. Well, you also in Hebrew you write it in one word, but it's, it's, two, it's two. It's the El is the end. It's like El, which means God. Are you involved in any other paranormal groups or paranormal organizations? Yes. It's not an organizational group group and it's not something that I am talking to people with. It's just a group that goes online and I listen to them. But the may the amazing thing is that for the last twenty years I've been connected to this group and the reason is because what I was going through is synced with this group. So I just carried on staying there because I was it was like just part of I was synced there, you know, it was this on the same level. In a, in a sense. And another thing is, I've got a good friend, and maybe you're, this would interest you. She's a channeler, an amazing channeler. And through her, uh, she channels somebody from the ninth dimension. And through her, through her, I learned a lot of what I was doing. You can learn on the soul level what your soul is actually doing at the moment on earth. And that's helped me tremendously. Wow. And she's pretty amazing. You learned about the dimensions. Can you tell us more about what you learned about them? Well, I learned that you can go from one dimension to another. Uh, it's like grids, one on top of the other. And um, you can go from one point to a different point. Or, and there's endless points, endless options. Uh, I was just shown it. I wasn't. I didn't go through an experience of it. I was just standing, uh, just a, a bit away from it, and I was shown how it works. That's all Raphael showed me, and he and showed me that you can go from one point to another point, and the points are endless. But I didn't get much more information. It's scary at times, you know. There's parts where you don't know. You sometimes I felt I might get lost. If I started going in dimensions, I didn't know what was going to happen. You know, it's like often um, when I was doing healing for myself, I made sure that no, I, I had, I always made sure that I would do it with Raphael present so somebody else wouldn't come in because there are all kinds of things out there that some of them can be not very friendly. Mm. So I'd always do it with the knowing that Raphael says this is okay for you, you know, if I want, if somebody wanted to experience something. 
do you still remember your NDE clearly today as the day that it happened? 100% yes. Every day, it's like it happened yesterday or then a moment ago. Not even yesterday. Yes, I do. And often I think that one of the reasons that I kept on popping out of my body at the beginning is because I wanted to be there. Because there's something so amazing, you know, it's like you know things. It's, it's, it's a different area. You know, it's, it's hard to be in this body. It's not an easy task. Being here on earth, it's not easy. You know, being grounded, so grounded. And I think that I wanted to be in that freedom. It's a kind of freedom. No pain, knowing much more than you know now. I mean, we like we come into this into this world. We know nothing, you know. Mm-hmm. We blocked off of everything. Earlier, you were talking about that you needed to prepare, which seemed to be like some kind of disaster. Do you think that disaster has occurred, or it's still yet to come? I think it's occurring right now. Now. Um, I think it is occurring. I don't think we're done. I think it's going to get a little bit worse before it gets better. Um, unfortunately, I hope that people will stay safe and that they will, if but the good thing about it is that we, we have internet and everything is on the internet and we can get information, you know, very, very quickly to people. So if they say a tsunami is coming, people will move from the tsunami, you know, and they can save themselves. I hope that does happen. Or if there's going to be very bad weather, try and get out of that weather. Go to an easier place. You know, be very alert because I think the seas are going to still come in. I think I think we're going to see much more floods. The famine we're seeing, unfortunately, you know, it's not going away. We're still seeing people dying. I mean, we, people are talking about how the virus is coming, you know, getting worse again. So just, you know, be alert, be alert and look after yourselves, you know, it's because, and I know that it's, you know, I don't want to judge anybody. That's one thing I learned. You don't judge because you don't know what the other person's story is all about or the other person, what they need to do. So, but I just suggest that if you want to stay safe, be alert and be as in the highest place you can with yourself. I like what you talked about, that if you accept the traits that you have, then you kind of overcome them or, or you, you know, they lose power over you. Like, yes. for example, yes. fear it's or a, jealousy. It's, it's, yes, because we all have it. This is part of this world. We come here and, you know, this old aunt come when we were baby. Just say, for instance, this old aunt comes, she's got all these things and she comes and she wants to kiss you and hug you. You're terrified of her. And something happens to you. You know, you get, it's like you get... You spoil something within yourself. Something's like something happened, something bad happened. And we then we become fearful. We, we have fear, okay, because of that aunt, just for instance. I mean, this happens on a daily basis. They send us off, off to kindergarten when we're too young. Uh, anything. You know, somebody says a bad word to us. We don't know. So we're getting all of these things that are creating uh, harsher things in ourselves. And we are creating aspects of the fear, whatever it is. So I think, and well, this is what I've done, and this is also the Crimson Circle has talked about a lot, is to take all these things that we have created and bring it back to ourselves. And it could be things from previous lives, if you do believe in previous lives. I certainly do. I believe that's this whole thing about karma and 
that's another thing, by the way. I think we're done with karma. I think to get into a higher consciousness, we have to get out of the karma thing. Because we've just been playing this over and over and over and over again for, you know, eons of time. And to stop that would be very, very good so we can go to a different level. So that's also one of the things that we should do. And while we're doing that, getting out of the karma, we might as well get all our aspects back, accept them, hug them, say we know you're here, we know we've created you. It obviously helped us for something, sometime, but and just being there with it. And then you don't use it anymore. You know, you don't have to. It, it won't act out anymore. It might, you might have triggers coming to trigger you with it, but you might not act out on it. So that is a good thing. Yeah. Hmm. And just put love there instead, you know, just put light and love there instead. It helps. Do you fear death at all? Not at all. I fear uh, pain. I had so much pain. The death part's easy. It's fantastic. It's amazing. That's, I can't wait. Mm. I mean, I'd like to live a good life. So I want to experience life here because I think living here is a miracle. Just being able to live in this life, it's beautiful. If you can see that part and if you go out of the drama. But if you're going to stay in the drama, then that's a different story. But once you are out of your drama and there's no more drama, that's fantastic. You know, I... uh, a couple of months ago, I just broke my leg. I could have gone to drama. I didn't. I enjoyed I enjoyed every moment of, you know, people bringing me food, looking after me, observing. It was fantastic. Hmm. So just don't do drama. You know, just don't do drama. If you stop the drama and understand that it's just your drama, it's just your little story that you want to tell, then you can start experiencing this amazing, magical world because it is amazing. It's magical. When I go into nature, I was just telling you before, I live near the Chiricahua Mountains. And when I go in there, I can actually hook into what was once upon a time, the Indians living there. I can feel their energy I can when it's quiet and nobody's around me. I can actually feel what was once upon a time and how they had lived. It's amazing. It's beautiful. So nature is a very healing place for me and I know for many other people as well. And just enjoying little animals like we've got chickens and, you know, just enjoying these basic, beautiful things that we've got in this world and not going for the hard stuff. Switch off the radio when the news comes on, you know. <laughs> all, this, all these drastic things, these hardships. But do be alert. For floods. <laughs> For floods. Well, in Arizona, volcanoes. Yeah. What do you think are the most important lessons that you can share from your NDE? To live life to its fullest. I think that it gave me the opportunity to heal my bullshit and heal um, whatever I needed to heal and go through all my lower level things that I had to go through and today and you know I, I, I always remember the near-death experience it's not something that goes away from you it's part of your life this, this is for me and just appreciate life because we're here for a short time and make the best of it you know just make the best of it 
and accept people as they are and understand that they're going through their thing. It's their story. It's not always about you. Even if somebody does something bad to you, like we had this neighbor that did something. And I said straight away to my spouse, you know, don't even go there. It's not, it's got nothing to do with us. It's their way. It's what we do, you know, and I just sent them light and love and, you know, it's okay. People are going to come into your life, but that's why probably I live so off grid <laughs> because sometimes I don't have, I don't have the tolerance for all these acting out uh, lower levels of what we have to go through. But I'm always here to help uh, people, you know, if they want to talk about these things and how to get rid of, I'm always here to talk about it and help. And I did for many, many years to photography. So, Well, I'm glad you mentioned that because after watching this podcast, people may want to reach out to you and ask questions. So how should they reach oh, you? Pleasure. I think email is the best. It's Marissa Nina. I don't know if you put your email down where you have I can, your... I can put it in the description. Uh, yeah, and they can, sure. And they can contact me through there. And if it's something more serious, I don't mind even, you know, getting a phone number and talking. And My podcast also goes out audio-wise besides YouTube. So can you just tell us what your email address is? So it's Marissa Nina, uh, M-A-R-I-S-S-A. N-I-N-A, and it's at gmail.com. At gmail, okay. What about if they want to contact you on Facebook? Oh, it's Marissa Nina Goldberg. They can find me there. Okay. All right. No problem. All right. Um, all right, well, so... And I have my website, but I don't know. I was going to ask you about that. The website you... just... Yes, that, but, uh, you know, it's such a uh, a long, it's, it's marissa.wixsite.com slash marissa. I'll if just, you want to put that down as well, that's fine. I'll put the link to your website in the description. Okay. And if people want yeah, to go, sure. if they want to go see your artwork, they can check it out, your, your photography. And I've got tutorials on there. Not not many, but I've got quite a few tutorials in Photoshop and uh, also still teach photography. Mm-hmm. If anybody's interested, that would be lovely as well. Great. All right. Well, before we finish up, can you give us one last positive message? Oh, yes. Enjoy this life and just see the glory of it. See the good part. There is so much to see. Marissa, thank you for that message. And thank you again for being my guest. I really appreciate you and I wish you the best. Thank you, Jeff. And I want to say just one thing that Mm -hmm. I am so appreciative of you talking and doing this, you know, all your websites, what you are doing and bringing out all these messages to these people. Because when I was going through my near-death experience, I had nobody there. And this is you're doing a fantastic job. You are. It's amazing to see. And thank you. Well, thank you. Thank you for doing that. It's my pleasure. Okay. All right. Well, have a wonderful Mine rest too. of your day. You too. Thanks for watching the Jeff Mara podcast. I really appreciate you. Another way to show support is through YouTube memberships. And if you do, there are loyalty badges and other perks depending on your level of membership. All you need to do is click the join button underneath the video to find out more. Thank you for your support.